Hello, Monetization Nation. Recurring revenue models can provide our businesses with many benefits. Corporate Finance Institute said, the recurring revenue model is the model most commonly used by businesses because it is predictable and it assures the company's source of revenue as ongoing. In addition, introducing subscription-based services or recurring revenue models to our products or services could increase our valuation by up to eight times that of comparable businesses with little recurring revenue. Katie Harris is one of the managing partners at Get Found First, a digital agency that specializes in PPC or pay-per-click advertising. She's also a member of the Forbes Agency Council. In today's episode, Katie Harris and I discuss the benefits of the recurring revenue model. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Recurring revenue is one of the greatest things ever created for a business owner, right? <laughs> we have clients that work in kind of all areas of business. Some have business models with recurring revenue. I think they sleep better at night sometimes. Um, we have clients that have business models that have no recurring revenue. And I would say if, if you're new to business or if there's a way you can look at your business and find a way to create a recurring revenue model somehow within it, um, your days will be better as a business owner. And you'll sleep a lot better at night. You will sleep so much better at night. Um, so at Spot on Solutions. And when bad times happen and the bad economies hit, you have a stability that you can weather the storm so much easier than the people who have to make those one-time sales. And you have an idea of what cash flow looks like, right? Yeah. That's the other thing. Um, when you have a recurring revenue model, you have some control and some idea of what cash flow is going to look like month to month to month. And as a business owner, that is, that is so incredibly important to growth. To, it's, in, it's important to sustainability. It's really important to growth, right? But, um, but you've got to have it. We work with a lot of restoration companies and it is the hardest model without fail. The most common problem challenge that they're always facing that we are talking to them about. I don't care what part of the country you're in. I don't care how big your business is or how small your business is, but um, there is no recurring revenue model for restoration. Just inherently, there's a lot of restoration companies that have built in some different models for it, but inherently there's not. And that means cash flow is always a challenge. You might be so busy in December when weather events hit or when um, pipes freeze, right? And basements flood, but then come March or April, you're wondering how you're gonna keep your guys busy. And a recurring revenue model takes a lot of that risk um, out of the equation. And I think, I think the other benefit to a recurring revenue model is it kind of frees you up to be a little bit more creative with your business. Definitely. You know, you start to see, hey, what else can I build into this in a, in a recurring model? And you have, some, you have some real added flexibility and creativity that can be built into your business when you're looking at things through that recurring revenue. And you don't have to always focus about how am I going to make the next payroll? You have right. a consistent amount of money coming in every month so you can make long-term decisions yeah. based 
Yeah, for sure. And, and it's easy. Once you have a recurring revenue model in place, you just have to look at, hey, what is the next need of somebody? How can I put an offering in place or a service in place or a product in place that they're going to need month over month? And then you just, you just do it again, right? You just, you just duplicate it. Can you think of a client that's done recurring revenue really well and you could give our listeners or, or people yeah. who are watching an, an example? So yeah, this, that's, a, that's a great um, kind of story, I think. In restoration, you're gonna hit highs and lows, right? Lots of businesses, you're gonna be seasonal. Um, if you're not recurring, you're constantly trying to kind of prepare for that um, and then manage that when you're busy. One thing that I've seen, um, restoration companies do really successfully. And I'm thinking of one company in particular who was not in the cleaning space. Sometimes you'll see cleaning and restoration kind of go together. They were purely restoration, but this cash flow issue was a problem. Seasonality issues were a problem. And every year, year after year after year, they're struggling with how do I keep my guys busy, right? And they just didn't know. And so they added carpet cleaning services easy. They have all the equipment, they have all the guys, they have all the houses, right? It's not a big stretch to go and add that service in. They added carpet and upholstery cleaning in and then put people up on subscription models where, you know, I'm coming into your house every 90 days, you're paying every month so that it's just spread out. And now all of a sudden you have a recurring revenue model that's going to keep your guys busy because you got jobs that are going to get booked for that, you know, and you've got money coming in every single month of the year that's kind of funneling that. So you don't, you're not in such high peaks and valleys. You can be a little bit more level as you grow that. And, and so I guess specifically is look at what services maybe extend, you know, from what you're already doing that would make sense for um, a recurring revenue model. I love it. That is a really good example. If you have 400 clients, what percentage of those clients are recurring revenue clients for you each month? About 80% of those are recurring yeah. revenue clients for us. So yeah. we, have, we have project clients, um, which I think is a really strong model to have. You know, not our entire business is recurring. We have project clients where we're building websites or we're, we're doing a project for them on a one-time basis. Um, majority of those at some point transition into a recurring revenue model with marketing services, but um, about 80% of all of our business is on that recurring model. I love it. So what does that mean for you as a owner of a, a company that's going through this global pandemic? Um, how has having 80% of your customers being recurring clients, how has that helped you? Well, like we talked about before, I mean, you sleep better at night, right? There is some real um, security in having some recurring revenue clients for sure. I think that, um, well, I, what's been so important to us is when you have a recurring client, you have a longer period of time to build a relationship, right? And so now we move from, and this is so important to, to who we are at Get Found First and, and really with just connecting with our customers, I guess, is part of this is um, we, it is so important to move from a vendor client relationship to 
a, just a strong relationship, right? When we yeah. say to our clients, hey, I'm an extension of your marketing team, it's like, yeah, sure, you know, maybe those first 30 days, we're still a vendor to them. But when we start to connect with our customers um, in a different way, when it's like, hey, I really care about your business and I'm in this, our recurring revenue model is not automated, right? I mean, automated in the sense that you buy something once, you're never gonna talk to us again. Our recurring revenue model is set up in such a way that that is the beginning of our relationship. And month after month after month, it grows and it gets better and it gets stronger. And so we go, like our first 90 days, least profitable days, right? And we look at that first 90 days is, hey, you're gonna go build a relationship and connect with our client, with our customer. That first 90 days is completely customer relationship based. So um, if we do that, right, I start off by talking to somebody about their marketing goals or maybe their marketing challenges. And we start to put some, some plans into place and performance starts to improve, which opens doors to build relationships. But ultimately what I want or what this recurring kind of model gives us is month after month after month to get to know them better, to know, hey, what is most important to you? Because maybe what's most important to you has absolutely nothing to do with the business you're running, right? Um, that's really important for us to know as, as the company that you're working with. It, it may be the most important thing to you in your life, in your world, really is not anything to do with your job. But we've got to know that to build that relationship that's going to last. I love that. You just said that so perfectly. Is spending the time at the beginning to go in and understand the, the highest level passions of your target audience. And in your case, it's the businesses you work for. Sure. And understand what those top priorities are and then uh, build a relationship with them, connect with them through those highest level priorities and passions and challenges. Absolutely. What percentage of a of a decrease did you see with COVID? With something like COVID where lots of businesses have seen, you know, the taxi industry is down 92%, you know, those yeah. kinds of things. What yeah. percentage have you seen roughly? You know, we were, we had a 20% decrease initially. And um, it was, it was heartbreaking, seriously, to watch what was happening to some of our clients. We have a client based in San Francisco that did like, like book tours and travel for Japanese tourists. Well, guess what? Their business, it was just hard. And, yeah. and that, that was really hard. And so you had some businesses like that. That's just like, they just could not exist in that environment. There's nothing you no. could do to help them. There's nothing you could do. And then you had businesses that are like, Hey, I got to shut down because of, you know, orders by the state or different things like that. Um, they're all back. They were, that was a very short term shift, but you have all of the 20% back already. We have about 92% of that 20% back. Yes. And so, we're still in the middle, the very much the middle of COVID. I, I will say we were extremely blessed that the way we're positioned, um, we have a lot of e-commerce clients. They had record breaking times throughout COVID, which ironically, can still be super stressful, right? On one end, we have clients that are shutting their doors and, and that's devastating. On the other hand, all of a sudden we have clients that are selling like it's Black Friday every day 
and they're trying to figure out how do we how do we do this stressful on two different ends right and so that's what was so crazy about the whole COVID time period is it was just like a roller coaster and every single business was a little bit unique but we um not necessarily intentionally like i'm really glad we don't focus on the tourism industry right that would have been challenging um for us a large part of our business is focused on e-commerce was a great time to have an e-commerce business and then um and then another large chunk of our business is focused on home services meaning in-home care elderly you know going into their home and caring for the elderly and then restoration services sanitization services where you're going into business and sanitizing them taking care of floods things like that that don't stop so for us um super grateful and fortunate that we had a really strong client base on those in those industries i love it uh, let's start with the credibility gap okay so when it comes to really bridging the credibility gap I'll tell you, we had such a hard time convincing people um, in our small town that we were really good at what we did, you know, and, and I could give them clients that they could talk to in other places. But this overcoming this idea of, hey, you're in a town of like, you know, 20,000 people and, and I just don't think you're right for me was really a challenge. Um, so we just honestly, we just like threw it out the window. We were just like, hey, we're just not even going to sell to any, we're just not going to work with local people. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find clients in Chicago and California because I didn't have, I didn't have that same idea of proving I was good at what I did. Right. And so, so that was our mindset. And that's really how we built the business for the first few years is we just stayed away from local. And, um, and I remember a really profound moment when it was one of the first trips when Google came to our office and they sat down with us and they were talking to us about local clients and we're like we don't have we don't have local clients right we work with people outside of the area and i remember this um rep from google looked at us and said why and we're like because i can't convince them that they can trust us right we have this credibility gap they just we can't overcome this small town this is where we're from and, and he just didn't buy it for a second. And, and he, I remember he looked right at us and he's like, you have a responsibility to take care of people in your local community. And so he's like, if you need to convince them, convince them, but you have a responsibility to do it. And that changed my way of thinking. And so I, caught, I started thinking, how do you, you know, change some of these perceptions and build credibility? And it wasn't long after that, um, got some great opportunities with Forbes, um, got some different recognitions with Google. And I thought we have these things, but how often in business are we kind of shy about sharing them, right? Or we kind of keep them in our back pocket. Um, or we just don't get them in front of the right people. And so we started looking at ways to build trust and, and bridge that gap by showing some of these awards and credentials. And that was great and it helped, but ultimately it came down to one thing and it was just about relationships and trust. And so how do you build that credibility gap is you just got to be in front of people and you just got to talk to them, right? And be real. And all of a sudden that started to change the way we thought about things and the way we presented things and the information we shared. And ultimately found that there's just a ton of value in talking to people and being real 
with who you are. So how did you specifically do it? Was that a one-on-one -on -one strategy where you just go meet with people individually? Did you start going to Chamber of Commerce meetings and, and other things where you can meet people in groups? How did that yeah. work? So literally it was, uh, and it's weird to tell you how hard this was for us, but it really was hard. Um, we joined the chamber for the first time. I mean, here we are, our business is like four years old and it was our, you know, we're just now joining a local chamber of commerce, you know, and, but we did joined a local uh, business networking BNI group um, and really joined it with a different mindset. It wasn't this mindset of, hey, I'm going to come in, I'm going to prove to you that we are really good. It was a mindset of, hey, I'm going to come in and I'm going to, I'm, and I, and I really credit Google for helping us change this mindset, right? Like, hey, I have these resources, I have this information that can be impactful. And it changed that mindset from really, hey, what can I do for you? What can I answer for you? And we just found so many opportunities start to come to us just by, just by being real with people and starting to add some value into some conversations that were happening with local businesses. And that started to open the door. Um, now we've got somebody in our company that's on, you know, the chamber board of directors and, and we are involved in those things and it's something we really love and enjoy, but, um, but it, it, it takes some time to bridge that gap. And, and honestly, um, the one-on-one -on -one information, the one-on-one -on -one meetings with people is, is key to it in a very unselfish um, manner. It's just, what do you need? What do I have? And how can those things come together? Do you have or secrets about effectively doing video advertising? Okay. Here's the number one market your company. Yeah. The number one obstacle to video advertising right now is people feeling like they don't have the creative for it, right? Or that it's too expensive to create it. And I think a myth that you just have to get out of your mind is that it has to be super professional. Pull out your iPhone, put it on a tripod, put a really valued, genuine client in front of it and let them talk. Like yeah. just be real on video and start somewhere. Um, your video will get better and better as you go, right? So don't wait until it's perfect because it never will be perfect. You will always criticize the way you talk or sound or look when you're on video. Um, but just start, just start getting it. Uh, I think there is so much value in just genuine video. So overcome the thought that it has to be perfect and start somewhere, right? And that, that alone is probably a, a great stepping stone for anybody. And then start looking at what is coming. When you look at how many hours are consumed on YouTube right now, you're going to see major shifts in consumption of everything. Um, YouTube videos right now are being viewed at just unprecedented rates. And Google just predict that's just gonna grow. That's just gonna continue. What's interesting from a marketing perspective in this whole shift is it's always been, that's been like a branding play, right? I'm gonna show my video so people get familiar with my name and my brand. What's lacked is the real call to action within it. How do I capture somebody from my video? And that is all coming to pass right now. You're starting to see some great opportunities to take an action straight from a video. Um, and I, 
I'm seeing conversions for clients massively increase because people just interact with video in a totally different way. So you can be very, very persuasive in a video that will bring someone to an immediate call of action. And now that resource is a part where you can click to call straight from a video. You can fill out a form straight from a video. And that opportunity is a game changer for businesses. Yep. Love it. Um, can you think of an example or a story of a, of a client? One example, one, one way that we've seen video just really make a difference. And it's kind of the combination of video and social, right? Video and Facebook specifically is we have a local client um, that sells appliances and furniture and super successful business, really, you know, stronghold in the community, been around for a long time. And several years ago, we had a conversation with them about, they're like, hey, listen, we do this parking lot sale every year and it's massive, but the last couple years, it's been pretty stagnant or it's been pretty much the same. Do you have some ideas? And that was really our first opportunity to start working with them. And that's where we went. We went with um, video on social and started doing some targeting that way. And all this, guess what happens? I have their parking lot sale. And for the first year in a couple of years, they see these massive, spikes nothing else changed in the marketing campaign everything else had been the same for many many years it, we just introduced social and specifically introduced video on social and and all of a sudden those numbers start to see a dramatic increase so if you're looking at anything that's like hey this has always been a winner for us but for some reason it's a little bit stagnant right now look at ways you can add some video into whatever campaigns you're doing. And I think you'll see some real shifts because people are just really responding to them. And we saw that was totally measurable just in number of people that came out to that parking lot sale and made purchases. So easy to track some things like that, easier to track some things with video now than it ever has been in the past. Um, all right, so lots of things you do well. One yeah. of your absolute core competencies is Google and YouTube ads. Uh -huh. Do you have a, a few takeaways, key secrets and, and strategies that yeah. um, the, the watchers or listeners could leverage to be more successful in that area? Yeah, you bet. So there's so much information out there that I think the abundance of information is one of the hardest things for people to figure out, right? There so many people telling you what you should do on Google and YouTube that it just becomes completely overwhelming. So um, a couple of things I think are real winners right now is understand your audience. So if you're running pay-per-click campaigns, um, the old way of doing that is very keyword focused. It still is um, a, a core way to do it is keyword focused, but shift into really thinking about audiences. Google and YouTube's audience targeting is so fantastic. And so number one thing you have to do, figure out who your audience is. And sometimes who you think they are is not really who they are. And so take a look at your Google Analytics and see what kind of secrets or insights to your audiences you can get from that. And then see how you can go implement your targeting based on those audiences. Um, for example, um, I might think that my, my best audience is a woman that's 40 years old, right? And I can go dig into my analytics and maybe figure out, actually, my best audience is somebody who is really interested in the stock market and in traveling. And now I've expanded this whole approach on who I can target. So understand your audience, um, 
both as your own interactions with your audience, but also as analytics evaluate your audience and then target them that way. I would also say, um, and don't be afraid to ask questions, right? Sometimes we, we're so unsure of who to ask or where to go to get, get our information, but sit down with somebody one-on-one -on -one and, and just ask some questions and see what you can sort through as good information, relevant to you, and then um, you know, work with somebody that can, that can answer, that can just put you on the right path. I see so many businesses who waste time trying to figure things out um, find somebody that can just answer good questions for you and, and don't, don't kind of fumble through it alone. I think that there's ways to expedite a lot of that. And, um, probably a third thing I would just say that I think is really valuable is if you are not subscribed to think with Google, I would go, uh, put that subscription in. They, they'll send you emails. It's a free service. Um, think with Google is, has got a lot of information that's going to keep you kind of on the cutting edge keep you thinking big, kind of keep you forward thinking. And so it's a free resource that I think is really powerful. Thank you so much, Katie, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, recurring revenue models can help business owners sleep better at night, provide stability, reduce risk, allow for more creativity, help us make long-term decisions and plan for the future. Number two, if there isn't an inherent recurring revenue model for our business, we may be able to find things related to our business that we can set up in the recurring revenue model. Number three, we can use the month-to-month -month or annual time that recurring revenue can give us to build stronger relationships with our customers. Number four, if our businesses are experiencing a credibility gap, we may be able to bridge that gap by getting involved in the community, talking with people, and being authentic in the connections we make. Number five, let's start somewhere with video marketing. It often doesn't have to be extremely professional at first. Number six, when using Google and YouTube ads, use their analytics to learn about our audience. Don't be afraid to ask questions and consider subscribing to Think with Google to stay informed. If you enjoyed this interview and want to connect with Katie or her business, we have a link to her LinkedIn profile on the blog for this episode. Or you can reach out to her directly at katie.h at getfoundfirst.com. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can get a free monetization assessment of your business at monetizationnation.com forward slash assessment. Number two, you can subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com forward slash e-magazine. Number three, uh, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation YouTube channel, or you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Number five, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. Do you feel recurring revenue is important for your business? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining us for this episode. I hope you have a fabulous day. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.